This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential podcast. We are gearing up for episode 500, and a bunch of you said it would be fun for episode 500 to have my mom back on the show. So we are making that happen, but we are extending the celebration, which is totally appropriate because it's kind of my mom's style. So for this episode 497, we have my mom back on the show. She first was on the show, I think in episode 204. If you have not heard that, you'll definitely want to go back and take a listen. And the reason that it matters, the reason that this is so relevant, having my mom on the show is because she was a huge part of my relationship with food and the origin of my weight issues, not like she was the origin, but she was a huge part of the origin of my weight issues. We talk about that in a lot of detail in episode 204, but it has been a while. In fact, almost two years. Next week, it'll be exactly two years since we recorded that episode, which is hard to believe, but a great opportunity to revisit some of the topics about judgment about relationships with food and communicating. And we're going to be diving into a lot of that. I asked my master's club and my 12 weeks of transformation clients what they would want to hear. And so we'll be answering a lot of their questions. But not only do I have my mom here, I also have my sister here as well. And she has been on the show as well in episode 211. So you'll definitely want to go back, listen to 204, listen to 211 before you dive into today's episode, just so you understand a little bit of the backstory there. My sister Debbie is just about two years older than me, and she and I couldn't be more different. Personality-wise, physically, in every way, we are different. So I do want to say a couple of things right out of the gate. We are recording from our family beach home in York, Maine, in the middle of an open concept living dining room. So if it sounds like we're in a cavern, we kind of are. Um, And we are on one mic. The windows are open. If you hear kids playing outside, it's because kids are playing outside. And so the audio quality might not be spectacular, but I do believe that the conversation will be. Before we jump into the questions around today's topic, I want to say happy birthday to my mom. It is her birthday, and that's why we are up here together in Maine, and she's being super generous, as she was in episode 204, to talk about some things that that were a a real hard time for us and a real difficult point in our relationship, but I think talking about them helps us be better people and improves our relationship, but I also think it's important to show what it can look like and how you can navigate these really challenging areas of relationship around food, around weight, and especially around maybe raising kids who are overweight and all of that. So especially for her to do this on her birthday, I think that is pretty cool. Definitely go back and visit episodes 204 and 211 so that today's conversation will make a little bit more sense. But mom, happy birthday. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Betsy. So yeah, my family calls me Betsy. You cannot call me Betsy (laughs) unless you are related by blood. And if you are not related by blood, don't try it. We will not be friends. But yeah, (laughs) if they refer to me as Betsy, that's because that's what they call me. And there's no ambiguity on the fact that you can't 
So, and Debbie's here too. Hi, Debbie. Hi. So we are going to dive into these questions that came in from both my veterans group for the summer, as well as my master's club. And when I first said to them that I was thinking about doing this episode with you guys, one of the first comments, and I shared with you guys these comments, one of the first comments was that they loved episode 204 when you were first on, but it made them uncomfortable. And I think that's such a great thing to acknowledge, not only how we feel about it and felt about it, all three of us, of course, you know, you and I, mom, participated in the episode. Debbie, I know you listened to it. You and I talked about it afterwards in episode 211. But listening into something that was very candid and very raw and very emotional was hard for people. So mom, did doing that episode make you uncomfortable? Extremely uncomfortable. And while I was doing it and after I was doing it, I regretted doing it (laughs) because you asked me some really hard questions and the only thing you asked me to do was to be honest. And so I had to, for you and for me, I had to give you the honest answers and it was really difficult. I know, Debbie, one of the things you and I talked about afterwards was one of the most uncomfortable things for you to hear and probably for me to hear as well was in the beginning of that uh, episode, I told you, mom, that growing up, I didn't feel like I was enough. I was good enough. And you very frankly and candidly in that episode said you weren't. And while I was initially like, oh, you just said that on the podcast. I know. Me too. I said, oh, no. (laughs) The other thing, you know, Debbie and I talked about later was that it would have been really easy for you to say, oh, no, no, you were enough and be dishonest, well-intended, but dishonest. And we both give you a lot of credit for your honesty in that the primary reason why I think that's so important, aside from, you know, where I think most people would go is great that you didn't lie. You can't come from a place where you have an opportunity to grow or open your mind or change your perspective unless you own how you feel. And you could have convinced yourself, no, Betsy, it wasn't that you weren't enough. It was that I was worried for your health and all of these other things. But when you accept the truth of there was ego involved Mm -hmm. and there was the reflection of your weight on me as a parent and other people judging you as a parent that factored into the fact that it, that it was more than about my health. It was more than maternal concern. There was an aesthetic component. There was a judgment component. Owning that is very hard to do and something most people don't do, but I think it's really important. What what do you think about that? Well, I think as you were growing up, I was always saying to myself, you know, I'm worried about how people will accept you, Betsy. I'm worried about how hard it will be to be the fat kid. I'm worried about what it will do for your health and your long-term, you know, life goals and relationships. But when you asked me that question or you said something like, I felt like I wasn't enough, I had to say, and I guess which I always knew, it was also about me wanting to be the successful woman who had, you know, the children that were, you know, good students and good athletes and you dressed right and you spoke correctly and just being the perfect parent, you have perfect children. And, um... And so I felt like it, your weight was a reflection of my uh, ability or my inability to to parent. How has or has your perspective on that changed now? 
if you found yourself in that position now, if I was the six-year-old fat kid again, do you feel like your thoughts now and our journey, has that changed for you? Oh, it would be completely different because now I know that the most important thing for me as a parent would be just to model the best behavior I can and just love you right where you are and shut up. <laughs> we joked about that. And I think we even talked oh, about that when we did our episode. Oh, we, yeah. I get emails all the time about how do you recommend that I help kids? And you and I joke about this, but there's a lot of truth in the lightheartedness that if we wrote a book about helping yes. your overweight child, chapter one would just read, shut up. And chapter two would read, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> chapter three, chapter four. four. And it's yes. not that, I don't want to imply that we're saying it's you have no role or it's not your right. business or let your kid right. do anything. Right. But the criticism and the judgment and the policing, really the judgment is the mm -hmm. biggest thing that mm -hmm. if you had been looking at what you could do as a parent, I think what we've talked about that you know now that you didn't know then, you had work to do. Right. And you not only had work to do looking at you and worrying about you as the fat kid, um, you have to then recognize, well, where is that coming from? Because then you have to say, you know, I'm judging everybody with a weight problem. Uh, you know, the, the super skinny, the person who's struggling with all kinds of issues and then recognizing I'm struggling myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, and so it wasn't just about you. You have to really honestly end up saying I'm judging you know, everybody as, you know, like the fat person who maybe isn't successful or isn't this or isn't that because of the weight, but it isn't about that. Yeah. And it was really very difficult for me and very difficult to have that out to the whole world. Right. Deb, you not only heard episode 204, but you've also heard and seen so many conversations between me and mom about my weight, either growing up and the very contentious and dysfunctional relationship we had around my weight growing up, but also the kind of evolution of how those conversations happen now and the way we reflect on it. Did 204 make you uncomfortable or what is it in that episode that you think people are really reacting to? I mean, I think the you are not enough is the primary thing that people are reacting to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I think, I don't know that it made me uncomfortable. It was emotional for me to listen to in part because I think it brought me back right to, you know, kind of what it was like growing up and how pervasive that struggle was and how much I think food or diet or exercise were central to yeah. like every single day and everything that we did. In a high pressure kind of way. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I think that shame is right the other part of it, right? And I think we talked about this mm -hmm. um, in the episode we did together um, was how because things were in secret or you were told you can't have this, but I can. Right. Right. That then there is the shame around you wanting it. So then you're kind of feeling like you have to do these things in secret, which then right. perpetuates, you know, right. the struggle. Um, one of the questions that a lot of people asked was, how has our relationship changed? And it's interesting, you know, the three of us having this conversation together, because while 
mom, our relationship was strained for very obvious ways. You did not like the fact that I was overweight and you were determined to create the solution, to enforce the solution. And it was militant in the approach and unceasing, right? It was every day. It was summer. It was nonstop. I totally understand the strain that it had on our relationship and the, and the work that we've done to get past that and leave it behind us is really cool to think about. What I think it took me longer to realize was the impact that it had on me and you, Debbie, because you weren't under that same scrutiny because you didn't have a weight problem. And if anything, you were underweight at times. And Debbie is significantly tall. How tall are you? 5'11". And I'm maybe 5'5". Five five if I'm like really standing up straight and my ponytail's extra high. Um, so it was just a very different thing. And envy was for sure there. I was incredibly jealous of Debbie. Not only did it seem like friendships were much easier for her because she wasn't bullied for being overweight the way that I was. She was also a better athlete. She was a better student. And from the way that our day-to-day went in the household, she didn't have our mom needing her to change and enforcing this change. So it was envy on a different level. And I think it prevented a closeness in us because as, as I shared, I think definitely in the episode I did with you, Debbie, you were enlisted as my personal trainer at times when we were kids. So it was a, it was a tough thing. So I'd love to get into, and I'll start with you, mom, because it's a little bit easier how do you think our relationship has changed over, say, the last five years? Primal is going to be four years old next week. So much has changed in my life. So much has changed in your life. But if we were to narrow it down, say, over the last five years, what do you think has changed? I think for me, um, right off the bat, um, you know, from the pregnancy, um, when, you know, when I was carrying you, I have always felt responsible for your weight. Um, like it was my fault. Um, and so that was why I tried to change it. And now having gone through all of these different conversations that we have had in the last five years or so, I don't feel, um, I, you, because of your beautiful way of handling it with me and your attitude, I don't feel responsible anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the feelings of guilt, um, that I had about, you know, creating the physical conditions when I was carrying you and all of that. And then all the stuff I did to try to fix what I couldn't fix. Um, a lot of that guilt is gone. Um, there's still, I still have some guilt there and certainly some shame over how I tried to, you know, manipulate and change things. But I think, having that guilt be, you know, freeing of a lot of that guilt in your you know, beautiful way of, of handling, um, you know, my errors and my mistakes and your forgiveness has been really important for me. Um, and I think um, I don't feel, I always felt responsible for your happiness because I knew that your weight was part of your unhappiness. And now I have freedom from that. So I know that you're okay and um, so our relationship is freer from my end because I'm not always like worried so much about, you know, oh no, is she okay? Is she okay? I know that your mindset is, um, is such that you're okay. And I think 
There are so many people listening who maybe have a relationship with a parent or with a spouse or with a child that isn't what they would want it to be. Maybe they aren't supportive. Maybe they're critical. What is so important to know? Yes, my mom has grown and she has changed and we have healed whether that was true or not, because there are still people in my life that aren't supportive, that aren't accepting, that aren't loving, that aren't warm. The number one factor in improving any relationship is taking full ownership. Mm -hmm. The number one thing that had to change in my relationship with my mom was me. Because as a kid, you don't necessarily have these coping skills. You can't necessarily work through the emotions the same way as you, you can as an adult. But the number one thing isn't that my mom accepts me now as I am, isn't that my mom doesn't judge my food choices, isn't that my mom doesn't care what size my pants are. None of that is the most important thing. The most important thing is my acceptance of myself. And I think that was the number one factor because if I hadn't made that change, then I would constantly feel insecure. Does she think that I shouldn't eat this? Does she think that I'm too big? Does she notice that I've lost weight? And that would burden me and her. And it would prevent any kind of closeness and connection. And if that was my thought process, it wouldn't just be about my mom. It would be about everybody, everywhere. So the number one factor in improving my relationships with anybody is it's not about them. I have to be at a point where I'm doing this for me and I accept that it won't be the pace or the way that some other person wants or approves of and it doesn't freaking matter. If my mom thinks I ate my breakfast too fast or there was too much avocado on my plate, I don't care. I don't care at all. If my mom likes my outfit or doesn't like my outfit, thinks I should lose more weight or doesn't think I should lose more weight, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with her. And that, without that, there could be no healing. There could be no healing because even if she changed her mind, I would be carrying that belief of her judgment, whether it was there or not. That is the opportunity that we all have to take full responsibility for you can't worry about what somebody else thinks of your weight or your shape or your food choices. And I know that almost everybody listening and probably all three of us at this table right now have work to do in that regard, mm -hmm. without a doubt. So Dee, how do you think our relationship has changed over the last five years? Yeah, I think because things were set up with so much comparison and whether that was because you were doing the comparing to me or whether that was because we were enrolled in the same sports and it was very much, we were kind mm -hmm. of functioning right alongside each other. So it was easy to compare. I think it did set up a hierarchy um, that was really unhelpful. And that I think, you know, created a wedge between us, one that we didn't recognize or weren't able to identify at the time. But I think now, especially in the past five years where I think we were probably the closest that we've ever been, um, that was something that was looking back, I think, you know, we can identify, okay, that really got in the way of us being able to be honest with each other to, you know, be supportive in the way that we probably wanted to. And now we really have that opportunity. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think our, our tracks were so parallel that it was impossible not to look when we played the same sports and we took the same classes 
we did all those same things, it's easy to see you were faster, I was slower. You got more playing time, I got less playing time. You got an A, I got a C, whatever it was. Um, all the way through when we went to college. Now we are so different and our life tracks are so different and the way we spend our time is so different that there's really just a sense of, of support and, and really wanting to help each other grow and be as happy as possible and not that comparison. Yeah, absolutely. We both have very different strengths. So where I am maybe more aggressive and tenacious and you are more thoughtful and deliberate, we can play off each other really well and be very supportive of each other because of our, of our differences there. Yeah. So you both listen to the podcast, which I think is really interesting because I don't know, sometimes I'll call my mom and she'll be like, oh, I was just listening to episode such and such. Your speakers were, oh, you know, you were coming through my speakers and now here you are again. So one of the questions that people wanted to know the answer to is what have you, mom, Debbie, learned from me, either from the podcast or just through the huge changes in my life over the last five years or so? Debbie, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. I think... I don't know that I would have enough time to capture everything that I've learned from you. And I think that I am learning from you constantly, but I, I think there are a couple things that stand out. One is certainly around finances that I think certainly predates the podcast. Yeah. And that was, you know, you introduced me to the Dave Ramsey book. And even though my process with paying down my debt, I think was slower than I, then maybe it was ideal or then I hoped for, maybe you hoped for or thought would be, you know, best for me. But I think that has been, you know, instrumental in, in changing my life and just the way that I think about finances and think about, um, you know, debt and all of those things. And I think the other thing is really the importance of mindset, which, you know, I think we sort of grew up with, you know, talking about having a positive attitude and, and certainly being involved in sports. That was always something that, you know, having good sportsmanship was strongly emphasized. But I think really better understanding that the way you think can really change the course of, of your day, of your life, right? That, that it's so essential to being able to live the best life that you can is really when you're thinking about how you think about whether it's yourself, how you think about other people, that the thoughts that you have really matter and that there's some control there in terms of trying to change that and to really be able to shift your mindset. Um, I think those are the two things that stand out for me. And Debbie is such a great example of how these strategies that we talk about so often with shifting your perspective and not focusing on the problem, but giving your energy and your action to the solution, how it has crossover appeal. We often talk about it in terms of food or in terms of emotional eating or in terms of working out. Whereas Debbie really mastered the application of this with her finances because for years, like going back to high school, Debbie and I could not and would not talk about money because we just had dramatically different approaches to it. Like if my mom gave us a $20 bill to go down to the little market down the street and get eggs, you know, Debbie would want to pocket the change and she would. And I, it would upset me so much because I wanted to give the money back to mom. Like going back, do you remember that? 
a little bit. <laughs> I used to get so upset because I'd be like, this isn't our money. Like, it's not ours to spend. And I was just so, I was so disciplined with money from a very young yeah. age. And Debbie wasn't. And it would make me mad. Debbie wanted to get nice underwear. And I didn't understand why she couldn't get a pack of, <laughs> six pack of Hanes from Walmart. Do you remember that? I used to throw a fit. Like, why does it matter? And, it, and I just felt like it was wasteful. I don't get six packs of Hanes from Walmart, <laughs> so everybody's clear. But when we were in middle school, I was like, I don't understand why you're making mom spend more money on your underwear. Um, but from a very young age, I was more frugal, and Debbie was more of a spendthrift. And when we got out of school, especially as I got very disciplined about paying down debt, which I've talked about before, Debbie was committed to the problem of her finances. And at that point, the belief was very much, I'm working three jobs, my student loans are out of control, I can't make ends meet. And it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but for a long time, there was very little effort towards the solution because the energy was going to the problem. And Debbie came to Ascend, the first Ascend in Nashville, and texted me after the event while she was at the airport. And I, I probably can still find the text if I search for it. But she texted me from the airport and she said, you know, this weekend changed my life. And I've been sitting here at the airport figuring out a plan to pay down my debt. Now, Debbie is a school social worker. So make it whatever, you know, <laughs> assumptions you need to make about they're not exactly the most well compensated uh, professionals who went to Tufts out of state had a tremendous amount of student loans. So a ton of debt, some from student loans, some from irresponsibility uh, over time. And a salary that's not very generous in its ability to help you go beyond. And from that moment, from that day at the airport, she decided to commit to the solution. And at first it was like, there is no extra money. And she was giving so much energy to that, that she wasn't seeing the opportunity of $2 here and $2 there, which over a few months became $10 here and $10 there. And there were some months where she had a car issue and all the extra money went to that. But this morning she sat here with me and my mom very genuinely and said at my next birthday, which is just over a year from now, she said, I'll be debt free. And it started when she decided that no matter how small the steps would be, she was committing to the solution. But she had to stop committing to the problem in order to do that. And, uh, you know, it's been super inspiring to see. You texted me at the beginning of what month? June? Yep. Yeah. She sent me a text message at the very beginning of June. And she said, I have a goal this month to put $1,000 towards one of my debts. And it was like two days before the end of June when you texted me and you said, I'm keeping myself accountable. I did it. And she's going to be debt free in just over a year when if you would have asked her two years ago, was this possible? Hell no. Not even yeah. a little bit. Right. Not, not even a little bit. And that's just the power that can come from the only thing you really changed was your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. There was no big windfall. Nope. You didn't change your job. <laughs> didn't right? the lottery. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> if she did, she's keeping it a don't, secret. Don't probably swear. Yeah. yeah. And that just goes to show the way that these principles can apply. So we really do like live this stuff and talk about this stuff, which is funny. All the time. Yeah. We were talking about this morning. Like we don't talk about 
the latest show on Netflix, we want our lives to be better. We want our relationships mm-hmm. to be better. And so this, this is something that's just very much reflected in, in our lives, in our days, in our relationships with each other. So mom, your turn from listening to the podcast or just kind of being a part of my life over the last five years while things have changed so significantly, what would you say you've learned from me? Well, like Debbie said, I couldn't, there's not enough time to go through all of the zillions of things that I've learned from you. I think, um, obviously the nutrition part, um, I've always been interested in nutrition and read lots of things and tried to study lots of things about nutrition, but listening to your podcasts, I've just learned so much about what's good for me and what's healthy for me. Um, so the whole nutrition piece has been huge for me. And um, I think the other thing, if I'm going to pick two things, would be mindset. Um, and I've always tried to be a positive person and I've always felt grateful and blessed. But your strategies, a lot of the things that you um, give us as little tiny little quips to remember during the day have changed my life and changed my relationships and freed me. I keep thinking about, you know, living my best life. And in my own, you know, my brother and my sisters and our whole extended family that listens to you, they've made amazing changes in their lives as well. And I told you to buy Amazon stock. You did. Yes. (laughs) Way back. Yeah. (laughs) And she did. Financially. Yeah. I was telling her that this morning. Yeah, that was true. From your perspective, And this is really interesting because I think something that a lot of people maybe listening don't realize, once I moved out of the house, so once I went to college, even though my weight continued to climb and it was a huge struggle in my life, it wasn't something we talked about. With my mom, I absolutely wasn't going to because there was so much tension and history there and I was ashamed and I was embarrassed and it was very hard to talk about. It wasn't something that I felt either my mom or my sister could relate to. And when you're so deep in shame, you don't talk about it. It's not like, how you doing, Betsy? Oh, well, life's awful because I'm fat and depressed. It wasn't like that at all. So one of the members of the Masters Club wanted to know what your perspective was on some of my struggles as well as some of my successes. And I want to throw that caveat out there because I think your perspective has aside from when I was young and the weight stuff, but, but as an adult for me was never really about my weight. Even when I post pictures or share pictures of my heaviest, I don't think that that's how you guys saw me through your eyes. Not that you thought I was like skinny mini, but there was just my life. It wasn't something we talked about. It wasn't something that even though it was very much the center of my emotional experience and my thoughts, it certainly wasn't something that we were talking about when I would call home. No. So Debbie, in terms of your perspective on some of my biggest struggles or some of my biggest successes, what, what has that been like for you? Yeah, I think, you know, you're right that it wasn't something that we we're talking about or naming at all. You know, I think we very much kind of circled around it in a lot of ways with the exception of, I think when you would be self-deprecating and make a joke right. about it. Um, which was, but that often. was always, yeah, yeah, which was all the time, but driven by you for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it was more this sense that 
you seemed, you know, tired and unhappy. And that that was, I think, what was coming across in phone calls. And not that you were, not to say that you were, you know, life is awful. I'm so tired. You weren't complaining. It wasn't, it, well, that wasn't how the conversation went. It was no just greatness. Like, yeah. It was, there was, yeah, there was a light out, right? And yeah. so you weren't, um, which I think is very different than when I talk to you now. And so that was, I think the biggest thing, especially because we didn't see each other that often. So it would just be over the phone, which is hard to really kind of engage in some of those more deep and meaningful conversations. So I think that was the biggest thing that I noticed was, yeah, that you just seemed not like you weren't yourself, you know? Um, Was there anything more recently, like over the last four or five years that stands out to you as very different or as a turning point or as a big change in me? I don't know that there's any one moment that stands out. I think when you launched Primal, I think you've just been on an upward trajectory ever since. And I think that you have just, you know, like fully immersed yourself in all things in terms of living your best life and being your best self and, um, and sharing all of that knowledge with, you know, with your community. And so I think, I don't know that, I mean, other than the launch of Primal, I don't, I can't identify like one particular moment that was like, oh, this was the, this was transformative here. Yeah. I think you've just, you know, been a boss like the entire time. I just, <laughs> you know, I, and I think since then, I, you know, when I have conversations with other people about you, I'm highlighting how amazing you are. And I think all of the awesome work that you're doing and I'm always so impressed and inspired by you. Um, so I don't think I could just pick out one moment because it just feels, to me, it feels like since then, it's just been, you've been crushing it. Even though there have been some really hard moments in that, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Like yeah. not to, not to lose. I don't want anybody to think that it's a straight path at right. all because yeah. me moving home was so hard and that was triggered by, you know, a separation and yeah. a divorce. And so my determination in that though was to thrive and to take great care of myself and to get what I want. I came home for a family wedding over Memorial Day weekend mm-hmm. and I was just home for two or three days I had separated shortly before then, and I literally decided, like, I know I need more people around me. I need these people who love me and care about me. And that was part of not letting hard things become my life, not letting my circumstances own me, not settling into not giving myself what I need, but rather being aggressive in the pursuit of what would serve me and support me. And I remember calling my mom a couple days after the wedding and I said, Mm -hmm. I need a favor and you can't ask any questions. And I said, I'm going to give you an address. Do you remember that phone call? I do. I was shocked. I said, I'm going to give you an address and I need you to go there. I need you to take pictures, especially inside the closets. And you were like, what are you talking about? I said, no questions. Just go and meet this woman at this address and take pictures. And it was um, a loft apartment. And I needed pictures of the closets because that's where I would be recording. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't ready to say, like, I'm moving home. That felt too emotional and, like, too 
too, just too much. Just too, I wasn't ready to have that conversation. And you, you really honored that. It wasn't like a big, oh my gosh, Betsy's moving home. It was just, we went, we took pictures. It's lovely. You know, the closets will be okay for recording. <laughs> and, and that was the end of it. So I, I think that there have been many trying moments, um, in the last few years, but just a dogged determination to respond to them differently than I had responded to hard moments previously. What about you, mom, your perspective on maybe some struggles or some setbacks? Like what was your view of it? Well, I think one of the things that really stands a moment that stands out in my mind, and it was, it was right before I think you launched Primal and you had come home by yourself and you had lost a significant amount of weight. And, and I recognized at the time that we, I had stopped talking about your weight. I think after, you know, when you graduated from college or when you were in college, I didn't have those conversations anymore. Nobody, nobody in the family talked about it. Nobody asked, I don't think, asked how you were doing. It was just sort of like something that just is what it is. And it was time to just let it go. And it was never spoken of in a positive or negative way. It was just a non-subject. Like I didn't call home and say, I'm losing all kinds of weight. No, no, you never did. And when you came home, I maybe people mentioned about it. I don't think I did. Probably I don't not. think I said anything by realizing like, okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but it was a holiday. And so I drove you to the airport and we were, we had not had any really deep and meaningful conversations in a while because I knew that you were, you know, not happy. Mm-hmm. And so in the, and it still makes me cry to this moment. You said something, oh, you had lost a certain amount of weight. And I probably made some comment on it at that time. And then you said, but mom, now I don't know who I am anymore. I'm not the fat kid anymore. And it broke my heart. And so immediately I wanted to like pull the car over, which I did not. It's way too practical, but I remember just (laughs) wanting to hug you. And I remember saying to you so clearly, but I know who you are. I know that you are this loving, okay, sorry. I know who you are. It's her table and I have to be really careful. No, it's the microphone. Um, I know that, um, I know who you are, Betsy. You're a loving, you know, funny, um, wonderful person to be around. And I tried to just, because I knew who you were inside and it broke my heart that, you had for so many years thought of yourself just in terms of your weight. Yeah. And that was a huge moment for me. And as a mom, you know, for moms out there, your heart is out there with your kid's heart. Whatever happens to them happens to you. And it broke my heart. And so I remember at that point in time thinking my job is now to keep reminding you um, of who you are and that you are this wonderful, loving you know, generous and kind human being. One of the great things that I think you, mom, gave to us, you and Aunt Kathy, because I remember hearing it, my Aunt Kathy is my mom's younger sister. I remember hearing it from both of them. And that was, you can reinvent yourself at any time. And I just, you know, there there were a lot of messages that came through as a kid that were not very helpful. But that was one that I think 
when your soul identity is this weight issue and is not being enough and then everything changes and you're, you know, thinking about becoming a businesswoman and you no longer can do these self-deprecating fat jokes with the frequency, you know, and the intensity and the animosity that came with that, that empty space of like, where do I go from here? And what does this mean for my life? What was always there was you can be who and whatever you want to be at any time. And that still rings true for me today. And it did then. And I think as a kid, I didn't know how. And that's one of the primary reasons I'm writing this book, because I think a lot of people have that belief and understanding. They also have a lot of doubt and a real lack of understanding in terms of how to how to make it happen. And I think that recognizing in that car ride that the success of your of your beginning weight loss at that time, there was also sort of like an emotional setback at the same time. Yeah. Like it's not a straight line that, that just losing that weight isn't enough. You have right. to do the, the, the mindset work that goes with it, the emotional work, because all of a sudden your identity of the self-deprecating because fat Because I had lost gone. weight before. Yes. And we talked about this last night. We were having dinner and we were talking about how naturally as a kid, I started to grow out of my weight. I was really good on the swim team. I was doing well and I was starting to grow out of that weight. Like I was teetering on somewhere near normal weight. But what happened to take me in a very different direction was the shame and the sneaking and the hiding mm -hmm. around food that then just any hope of, you know, naturally growing out of my baby weight was thrown out the window. And that's such an important thing for people to consider in terms of losing the weight doesn't mean that you lose the issues around food or that you lose the issues around how you see yourself and you have to create those solutions. You have to participate in the solutions. The weight is just a manifestation of these other issues. And as long as they are still there, then you will turn to some kind of compensating behavior. That was the biggest work. That's why primal potential is so heavily focused on mindset because that's that's the work that is the most important work and the work that I continue to do and the work that resonates, you know, even to you guys that don't have weight to lose, but listen to the show and get something out of it. One of the things that came up when people hear us communicate, us and mom in 204 and you and I, Debbie, in, in 211 and even today, people and people who have been to Ascend and have heard conversations that we've had at Ascend in Nashville, at Ascend in Boston, is how clearly and honestly we communicate, especially about hard things. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody wanted to know if that's always been the case. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that honesty card we were talking about? Yeah. No. So there you have the real no. answer. Yeah. No, no, not even a little bit. No. Not even a little bit. And I go back to the ownership statement. Mm -hmm. I have to own, not telling my mom what I think she wants to hear, not telling my sister what I think she wants to hear, not holding back to avoid something, but showing up authentically as myself for myself, independent of whatever. And the biggest thing for me, because Debbie and I are so different. My mom and I are a lot alike in a lot of ways, 
Debbie and I are different in just about every way that there is, but all of us have a commitment. And last year at this time, Debbie and I reminded mom of this commitment to get it right instead Mm -hmm. of being right. Mm -hmm. When we communicate, it's not to prove Mm -hmm. a point. It's not to win an argument. It's not to make somebody realize that their way is the wrong way. It is to be closer to each other. Mm -hmm. But that's not always been how it is. What do you think, mom, has changed in how we communicate? Because it used to just be drama and emotion and tears and silent treatment. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, you've always challenged me to be, to say what I really feel. But of course, for me, that's not how I lived most of my life. Most of the time as a, um, as a young girl and as a woman, I learned that you go along to get along. And, um, so you talk about the sale at Macy's and, you know, and how, and how's your car running kind of thing. The weather. Um, and, and yeah, the weather or whatever. But that's never been my style. No, it's never been your style. And so I think it's just, I don't know, how has it changed? Um, I think you always calling us to, um, to talk real. And it's a beautiful way to be because whenever we're together and when we leave each other, I always feel like we're just a little bit closer. And it is hard, especially as a mom sometimes, because you don't do it all right. It's really hard. And it has to be done with love. Like not long ago, you and I had a conversation about your work. I am an admitted workaholic. I admittedly put Mm -hmm. my work first. Mm -hmm. I own it. You will sometimes say that you put your kids first and then in your actions, you put your work first. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with you putting your work (laughs) first. I have a problem with you saying that you put your kids first and then putting your work first. It's the incongruence. But I didn't come at you in that, in an angry way. I came at you and I said very clearly, I'm Uh saying this because I know what you want. Mm -hmm. I know what you want because I believe you when you say it. Mm -hmm. And it's hard when these things happen. And I think Mm -hmm. those things, when they're said in love and not in trying to hurt somebody, not in trying to get a dig in, not trying to be passive aggressive, but trying to show love. Like I say those things. And also when I said that to you, I said, do the same thing to me, right? Mm -hmm. When I am being hypocritical, Mm -hmm. when I am being selfish, when I'm being unkind, when a message is coming Mm -hmm. from something other than love, tell me. And I think that invitation that goes both ways is really important. Being willing Mm -hmm. to have those conversations instead of talking behind your back about it. Right. Which I think is what most people do and and what we've done before as well. Mm -hmm. But that's a shift that has happened that we are very, very intentional. I'm not going to complain to my mom about Debbie. I'm going to go to Debbie and say, this is why this is bothering me. Let's talk about it. What do you think, Dee? What's changed in our communication? I mean, I think you guys definitely nailed most of it. I, I do think that there is now a a trust in, right. That, that whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the topic of the conversation, if it's difficult, if we know that it's going to be hard to hear, right. If you know that you're going to tell me something that I don't want to hear that I know at this point, I can trust that that is coming from this place of love right. and mm-hmm. deep care and concern <laughs> for me and like protectiveness, I think as well, a lot of the time. And so that 
it doesn't create this, this wedge between us or this distancing between us that actually has the opposite effect where our relationship gets, gets closer because there is that understanding that we are both coming from a place in that conversation of love and trust. Um, and just like wanting each other to kind of live the best life that we possibly can. And that that is the goal. And I, you know, I don't think growing up, I don't think that was the case at all. I think there was a lot of sweeping stuff under the rug and not talking about the difficult things. Um, and I think very much that was the, the kind of messaging was that we need to kind of create this, uh, this image that we are this perfect and, you know, and right. highly functioning family when really, I think we all knew that we weren't, but we were right kind of putting it out there to everyone else that we were and then not mm-hmm. having those difficult conversations. And then somewhere over time, I think we started to have them a little bit more frequently. And now we're at a place where that's the norm. And I think what you said is really important because instead of feeling like when we bring up a difficult topic or challenge each other on something, that it's going to create division. When in fact, that's really not true. When you bring up those difficult conversations in a loving way, it creates more closeness. Right. And I think we, in fact, many times have avoided the difficult conversations thinking that it would cause division as opposed to looking at it as we do now, that for me is the shift. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. it's not about creating trouble or uh, tension drama or, or yeah. crisis, but understanding each other in a better way and creating and closeness. I think you have to ask yourself, why do I get defensive when someone I love says, you haven't been available to me? Or when mm-hmm. someone I love says, I think you're wrong here. Why is the tendency to defend? Because you want to be right Or do you want to improve your relationship with that person? That is so different. That is so, it's just a very different operating system. Let that defensiveness be a gut check for you in that moment of defensiveness. Why do I feel like I have to hold my ground and plant my flag and prove that I'm right versus what is there for me to learn here? Or how can I grow from this? Is it touching on something that makes me uncomfortable and why? Because these are the people that I love. And if there's anybody with whom I can be open to their thoughts and feedback, it's these people. All right. So um, just a couple more questions. Are there aspects that we still struggle with? Dead silence. (laughs) Well, I guess... the deeper that you go into any relationship, the more like, you know, layers of an onion, you're always, and and things come up and life happens and things happen within our, within our, you know, close family and within the, you know, more extended family that there's always challenges. Yeah. So, um, but I think the more that we practice just mm -hmm. being really honest with each other, the more you just navigate that it's no different than, With food, do you still have cravings? Do you still indulge? Yeah, but the more that you practice doing that in a way that really serves you and works for you, the more more effortless it becomes and it doesn't feel like a struggle. It's just a way of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't, I mean, I think, of course we have challenges and there are things that are still hard for us. I think that's just normal human experience, right? Like within, in any relationship, those things are going to, to surface. But I think there is, at the end of the day, this just sort of knowing and trust that 
whether those things come up or not, it's fine, but we're going to be able to work through it. Right. It's not like that's going to be something that's going to derail our relationship or, Mm -hmm. you know, create this big rift where we're not going to be as close anymore. It's like, okay, yeah, those things are going to come up, but you know what? We know that we can work through that. We can have those conversations. And I think the biggest for me personally, the biggest perspective that helps me in relationships, especially with family members where it feels like we can be very different or see things very differently. It's not right or wrong. The idea that everybody in our lives has to agree with us and see things the same way and be on the same page is a recipe for misery, like straight up misery. So knowing that we can do this differently, that your outlook can be different, that your mindset can be different, that your choices can be different, and that's fine. You're not wrong and I'm not right. It's just you do it your way and I do it my way and I don't have to get you over to my way. You know, somebody messaged me just the other day and they were um, expressing frustration with their father who is elderly and the way that he sees like the negative side of everything. And she said, and I tried to tell him like, oh no, it's not bad. It's good because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why are you trying to change the way he thinks? There's nothing wrong with the way he thinks for him. It's not your job to change his perspective. Just like it's not my job to make sure that you moms see things the way I see things or that you, Debbie, understand the way I prioritize work or the way that I respond to social situations or obligations. Like you don't have to get it. You don't even have to agree, but we can be different and be fine with that. And the biggest thing that leads to tension or struggle, because that could be a very real struggle. Like we have different perspectives on this and you respond to this one way and I respond to it the other. And you complain about this and I think you should focus on yourself or whatever it is. That would be a real struggle if I thought that you had to see it my way and do it my way. But it's just, that's a recipe for being real unhappy all the time. So one of the last questions that we'll, we'll tackle Folks wanted to know, what is something that you know about me, because you're my mom, because you're my sister, that somebody listening to the podcast wouldn't know? Debbie, you want to go first? Yeah. I think the the one that I thought of was that you are incredibly loving and compassionate in a way that I, I don't think people get to see on the podcast a lot. So I when I look back, I think it probably every time that we have spent time together in person, there inevitably is always a moment where you come up to me and you either put your arm around me or you put your head on my shoulder and you tell me that you love me. And it might be, sometimes it's in a playful way where you kind of do it in a funny voice and you're like, I love you, sister. And other times I think it is in a very genuine voice, but that that is something that I have felt for you. And forever, right? This, there is this lovingness to you that you're just, you have a huge, huge heart. And I, I don't think that always comes across on the podcast. Yeah. I think some people <laughs> listening to the podcast <laughs> think that I'm like cold hearted snake, yeah, like yeah. super like Tough direct. Love. Exactly. Yeah. Like stone heart. Yeah. But no, I, I definitely, for people that are very close to me, I am like silly and warm and affectionate. Yes. I think yes. in a way that definitely surprises people. I, of, of, the people in our immediate family, I think I'm the most affectionate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
mom's a terrible hugger. So <laughs> she loses just by default. <laughs> Sounds like a judgment to me. <laughs> yes. There's exceptional yes. hug, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Own it. I'm a hypocrite. What else? Um, what about you, mom? What do you think is something that people listening don't necessarily know about me? Well, I think that one of the guiding factors in your life has been your grandfather, Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, who passed away a few years ago, and everybody... Everybody loved my dad and one of the, um, you have many, many of his qualities. And one of them, uh, my dad was a very proud Irishman and he always loved to make people laugh. And his, one of his things is he always said to us kids, you want to be the kind of person that they love to see you come and hate to see you go. He said, cause you will meet people that you hate to see them come and love to see you go. And from the day you were born, everybody loved to be around you, Betsy, because you were the kind of person that everybody loves to see come because you're always joking around. Even when you were, you know, like a year old, you would come into the living room and come into the kitchen and sing and dance and, polka. and yeah. do the polka and do, uh, you would come home from school and you would be able to, um, I'd say, how was your day? And then you would go into the voice of the teacher or go into the voice of the boy who was sitting next to you. And you would, you'd go to camp and come back and be able to just make us laugh about all of the camp songs and camp stories. And we would say over and over again, Betsy, do the da 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 again or do this or (laughs) sing the train song again. Yes. But that you are always one of those people that all the time since you were a baby and to this day, you still just are silly and goofy and are always enjoying making people laugh. And we love to see you come. When I asked my boyfriend that question, um, he said, he said something that they would want to know that I only know because I'm your boyfriend. And I said, yeah, he goes, how about I tell him your address? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you're out of this game. You cannot play. You absolutely cannot play. But when I told you, Debbie, the second thing that he said, uh, you totally agreed. And he said, I am fiercely protective, Protective. like to a fault. I don't mess around. You want to see me go into lioness on steroids, being chased mode, (laughs) mess with somebody, hurt somebody, offend somebody that I care about and the claws come out and it is like vicious style. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, I started something new on the last episode of the podcast and I'll include you guys in on it as we move into our 500th episode. I always like to try new things. And so on the last episode, I shared the best fat loss friendly thing I've eaten in the last few days, something I loved and enjoyed as well as um, one of the workouts that I enjoyed most over the last few days. So I will go first with what that is for me. And then I'll ask you guys to do the same thing. Mom hasn't been working out because she had eye surgery, so she gets a pass on that. I would say that the best thing I've eaten in the past couple of days was probably the dinner we had last night. And I'm sure a big part of that was the company, but we just did really, really simple steaks. And we did, Debbie made a cabbage salad with shredded cabbage and shredded carrots. And you guys are going to think that I'm owned by Primal Kitchen. And I swear to God, I'm not because I feel like I talk about it all the time. But she brought a jar of, no, mom brought the jar 
where she's a big fan too. And not, wait, none of us like mayonnaise. No, no I don't no. like mayonnaise. Isn't that no, so funny? No. But all three of us, I, they all think I'm owned by them. I, Primal Kitchen doesn't even know who I am. Yeah. But all three, of us, <laughs> should. all three of us love that. So mom brought the jar, Debbie brought the, uh, the cabbage and, and just made a really simple, yeah. like it was what, just cabbage and Primal Shrip. Kitchen. Yeah. 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 And yeah. just mixed it up. Yeah. And it was so it was good. Delicious. And I would say, um, my favorite workout was uh, Sunday morning open gym. I did 30 heavy power cleans for time and it was single reps, but just drop the barbell, pick it up and go again. And um, it was fast and it felt really good. So um, mom, I already see what she's going for. Best thing you've eaten recently, fat less friendly. Yes. Today you gave me some Baruchas super nuts of the savannah and this is not an ad folks i love them i know i asked her what they were and they're just really delicious they're called barucas barucas and um then you I, we read the package and they were just delicious they're a kind of a nut yeah. and so i really love those and yes i did have eye surgery but having listened to elizabeth benton on primal potential she always says but what can you do so my best workout in the last 24 hours was a walk on the beach oh, nice. with Debbie and um, and my husband, and you were home working. It was. But that was my workout, so I did have a workout. There you go. Way to win. Thank Dee, you. what about you? What was the best thing you've eaten very recently? Mom's making faces. Um, and good workout lately. I'm going to echo last night's dinner um, just because I think it was really simple, but it was also really good. Yeah. And it was easy to make, which is always a bonus for me. So yeah. <laughs> literally she just mixed chopped raw cabbage yes. and some shredded carrots with some primal kitchen chipotle lime and a little yes. salt and pepper. And that yes. was it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very five minutes or less. That's my game. Um, I think best workout. Um, I belong to a gym where I can Skype workouts because my gym is located near my work and that is about 45 minutes away. So I was Skyping a metabolic effect workout, which is basically shout out to metabolic effect. Yep. Heavy, heavy weights, high intensity, but it's the goal is to essentially work as hard as you can and then rest um, until and, you can, until work, you hard can work hard again. So you're kind of doing short bursts of really high intensity with built-in rest. And so I had, I did one of those workouts the other day where I just kind of left feeling very hot because it was warm in my room where I was doing it, but also just felt really good about, yeah, working hard. What for, were the movements? Um, lots of lunges, um, different types of lunges, so lateral, as well as I think we did some reverse bear crawls were part of it. Um, I think probably some squat press, you know, a lot of, I think, functional movements, but heavy, heavy weights. And there was some core in there, I think, as well. Some hollow holds. Mom, where'd you get your Chipotle lime mayo? I got it from Thrive Market. <laughs> because and I, and I told you yesterday, I always order two at a time because I love like them. like it so much. I love them so much. And I... I and what did you just organically bring up earlier? What did you get from Thrive D that you hadn't tried before? Their, I think, farmer's market meat box. So yeah. it's with chicken and meat. Um, yeah, that I got a couple weeks ago that I've yeah been really enjoying. Awesome. Yeah. See, and they just, they're not paid to say that, but they no, actually no. use no. it. And no. Debbie, I know you use it because their prices are amazing. You do. Mom's they're so much better. Yeah. Right. I yeah. will find things in Whole Foods and then see it on Thrive. Exactly. And it's substantially cheaper. Right. 
So it's no brainer. And it gets right to your door because mom, you don't have like a Whole Foods near you. No, I have a Trader Joe's, but I right. did check the prices of different things. And I, the things that I order from Thrive Market are way cheaper yeah. than what I can get. Plus it just comes to the door and I love the, easy. Yeah. I love that. So I don't have to drive. See, they just make it so easy for me because it's something that we all three of us use and really enjoy. So if you haven't given it a yeah, try yet, head over to thrivemarket.com forward slash primal potential. You will save an extra 25% on your first order and you'll get a free 30 day trial membership. Mom, Debbie, thank you so much for doing this. It was a lot of fun and I think it's mm-hmm. going to help a lot of people. And most importantly, mommy, happy birthday. Thank yes. you. I love thank you. you. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.